Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you trying to connect with your path in life? Do you have a hard time trusting your gut? Do you wonder why you keep attracting the same type of relationship energy? Do you wonder what intuition is and how it works? Get ready for the Elise Intuition Radio Show, hosted by Dr. Elise Holland. This globally syndicated radio show is empowering you to transform your life by connecting with your higher self through intuition, meditation, and mindfulness in all areas of your life. Coming to you live on Blog Talk Radio, this hit show is tailor-made to help you realize your full potential through body, mind, and spirit. Dr. Elise brings her knowledge, experience, and sense of humor to each show while introducing you to guests from all over the world who are experts in the fields of spirituality, energy healing, holistic wellness, alternative medicine, and nutrition. Call in with your questions or share some of your own experiences in connection with your intuition and emotional healing. The Elise Intuition Radio Show starts now. Here's your host, Dr. Elise. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Elise Intuition Radio Show. I'm your host, and I help people heal their emotional bodies connect to their intuition, and discover their life purpose through my own intuition as I am guided by spirit. Today, we have a special guest on the show by the name of John J. Ricci here to discuss more about testifying about God's work and why that's important. On that note, let's welcome John J. Ricci here with us on the Elise Intuition Radio Show. Yes, hi, Elise. Thank you for having me. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? You staying healthy during this uh, crazy time? <laughs> yeah, I got my vitamins and uh, my herbal teas. I'm I'm doing what I need to do, trying to stay inside, but it's very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, certainly uh, a time for stocking up on you know, the right things, uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually as well. Well, I am just excited because you are talking about testifying about God's work and, you know, we need to hear more of what God can do in our lives. But before we get into that, I always ask our guests, this question about intuition at what point did your intuition kick in during this time in your life and and what did it tell you well i'd say uh multiple times during my life really the beginning uh of my testimony uh is where it started to uh take root where i really started to um you know understand 
And then obviously um, at different points in my life, it would show up again. It would be, um, you know, the spirit of God would, would uh, be guiding me, you know, and um, of course, as I get into my testimony, my story, it'll make more sense to your audience where uh, specific points and how, you know, things changed, uh, my path changed, and I was able to uh, benefit from it, actually, it was a, because it was a good change. And, um, you know, it's really a growth process, too, because it's something that, you know, um, you really, it's like, it's like, I guess, you know, you could use the analogy of going to a gym and, mm-hmm. you know, exercising muscles you didn't, you you didn't uh, know you had, and then you feel it mm-hmm. <laughs> after you, after you uh, exercise them, you know, like the next day or, or going forward, you realize, oh, wow, I, you know, I gotta, I have to, you know, work on that because uh, I, I didn't know that that was there or I didn't really use it before. And so mm-hmm. you realize that, yeah, that's, that's, this is for my benefit. I need to, you know, exercise it. I need to make it stronger in my life because it'll have some use for me. If that's, if that analogy so, works. It does. It it really does. And now that, you know, we're all on this social distancing, we can't even go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, good analogy, bad timing, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, our audience, we definitely understand exactly what you're saying. So you keep mentioning about your story, reflecting on your spiritual walk. How how did God call you into ministry? Well, that's uh, uh, that's a that's a good question because um, it really. Uh, I mean, I didn't wake up one day and 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 get called into ministry. It was more of a process of God bringing me to Himself because ultimately, uh, from from my story, uh, God had to bring me to Himself before He would equip me to do what He equipped me to do. And I, you know, He wants He wanted me to know him first and know uh, my purpose before I was equipped to carry out the work. And so it starts in 1988 when, uh, because I was raised by um, my aunt, my biological aunt. My parents were not uh, really in my life. They were, they had a, like a rough relationship, very toxic one actually. And they battled homelessness. They battled the addictions, and and they really weren't fit to to raise me. So my and plus my dad was sick too at that point. He had Crohn's mm-hmm. uh, disease and and some other uh, internal problems. And uh, of course, drinking didn't help. But he, you know, talked to my aunt, which was his sister, and they agreed that. Uh, he wasn't fit to raise me and he didn't want me to, to be lost to the government or put in some strange home. Uh, so my aunt agreed to take me in and raise me as her own. You know, she didn't have any children of her own and she didn't have a husband and she didn't make a lot of money either. So it was really a sacrifice on her behalf to take me in and to pour love into me and to give me a foundation. And so I was living with her in 1988, um, 
and uh, there was two uh, evangelists that came to our neighborhood, and they were inviting people to come to a neighborhood Bible time program, which is, you know, like a an, another term for uh, vacation Bible school, and. Mm-hmm. They were inviting kids in my neighborhood to go, and I, you know, I was bored that summer. Um, and you know, they they came to the neighborhood. They were doing magic tricks. They were, you know, kind of just illustrating um, uh, themes of the Bible to us, uh, you know, through magic tricks, object lessons. And I thought it was cool. And then they said, you know, hey, we're having this program. You know, all it's it's going to be like Monday through Friday free ice cream, free pizza, uh, Bible stories, games, songs. You get to know people in your community that you didn't maybe know before, and it's going to be a lot of, a lot of positivity and energy. And I wanted to go, and, but we, you know, we, in, in that, at that point, we were religious, uh, you know, but we didn't really have a relationship. We weren't filled with the Spirit. We didn't know what that was about. We just were religious, you know. We had uh, known pictures of, of, of Jesus and the saints and stuff, but we really didn't know the depth of, of, of all that. So it was more like a shallow kind of thing. And so she was like concerned. Well, you know, she, all she knew was, you know, Catholicism basically. And, and she didn't want uh, me to be taken away from that. So she was a little worried. And I said, uh, you know, they, they said, you know, it's going to be, you know, Monday through Friday. Don't worry. You don't, there's no obligation to join church it's just the, the the church that's hosting it and so she's like okay well and I begged her and begged her and other kids were uh, coming too so she let me go she cried uncle and <laughs> finally gave in and so I went and then Monday uh, Tuesday Wednesday Thursday I went and enjoyed myself and I was taught the Bible was taught how to know God personally how to how to know Jesus personally and then by the by um by Thursday, uh, which was really the last day of the program, because Friday was going to be like the award ceremony and a celebration, but it was going to uh, be like over Thursday night. So I was, you know, kind of, and then they gave the invitation for, for, you know, if you wanted to, you know, after the after the man just gave the, the, the talk, gave the lesson or whatever, and explained, you know, how God wants to uh, adopt you into his family, wants to know you, wants to fill you with his spirit, wants to be your, your God, your father. And I, and I was interested in that. So I, you know, raised my hand at the invitation and, and then two gospel workers from the church. Uh, one was the pastor's daughter actually. And she, and another worker uh, just, you know, took me uh, to the side in the back of the auditorium and just explained to me more about what this all means. And, and they were asking me questions to make sure I understood that I was a sinner, that I was separated from God, that God had created me for, you know, for himself to be uh, his child, not just his creation, but his child, his, you know, and to, to, to be given his inheritance uh, to his children, his spiritual inheritance, uh, his kingdom inheritance, and um, and I I realized, yeah, I'm old enough to be a sinner, and I'm not, uh, you know, a murderer or anything like that, but I certainly am, you know, I know that I, I know that I've fallen, I know that I'm sh- I've fallen short, I know that I'm not as perfect as Jesus, uh, and so I need his forgiveness for falling short, and I accepted his forgiveness. I realized Christ went to the cross for me. He rose again after being buried uh, in the ground. Three days later, he rose again. He defeated death, 
sin and he bridged the gap between me and God that was lost because of sin. And uh, I became born again that day. And so that's the beginning of my new life, my eternal life. And I started to grow in that knowledge and um, started to be, you know, led by the spirit. And uh, then uh, my biological dad, who wasn't in my life really anyways, I, I probably seen him once. He came to visit my me at my mom, at my aunt's house or whatever. And, and I really didn't have a relationship with him. But uh, he was murdered. Um, he was murdered, I, I believe, in uh, like a year later. You know, so in 1989... He was murdered, and that didn't really affect me because I didn't really have a relationship with him, anyways. So uh, I, you know, I, I I didn't mourn for his loss or anything. It really hurt my aunt more than me. But and then um, I still continued to, and I actually we actually joined that church, that hosting church that uh, had that program where I came to know uh, God in a personal way and um, got saved, got became a Christian, and and. Uh, we, I, I was growing in my 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 hunger for God. I wanted to know more about you know what it means to follow Him, to be intimate with Him, to be filled with His Spirit, to be to be uh, filled with His mind, really, to have the mind of God, the thoughts of God, you know. And um, then in 1993, four years later, when I, when I was 13, my biological mother died of AIDS and and pneumonia, and that affected me more than my dad's passing because even though I didn't really know my biological mother either, um, I just, it it just hit me. I was older and I, and, you know, and uh, I was in high school now the first year and and I had friends who had their mother and fathers at home. And I was just kind of hit like, why, you know, why don't I have the type of, typical family that everybody else seems to have and why don't I have my parents why did she have to die this way and and it also reminded me that my dad hadn't been in my life either he he had been murdered and and we still did not know who was responsible for it and I just kind of felt like the rug was pulled out from under me I felt like someone you know took a, a brick and and shoved it into my gut I felt like the wind was blown out of me and I really, it really affected me, and I, and I kind of felt that God had let me down. Um, you know, what is this? I, I give my, my life to you. I, I, I'm filled with your spirit. I'm, I'm learning more about you. I'm more, I'm falling more in love with you, and you let this happen. So I kind of felt disappointed, and a root of bitterness started to grow in me, and disillusionment started to grow in me, and, and that bred rebellion because I didn't have a, a, a lot of good positive Christian friends, spirit-filled Christian friends in my life at that point anyways. So I, I just gravitated toward the, the, uh, the bad crowd, I guess, um, if you could say it like that. And the kids in public school that I was, uh, you know, playing sports with and, and, and kind of just hanging out, they, I gravitated toward them because they didn't have a relationship with God. They weren't filled with his spirit. And I kind of didn't want to be around anybody that was, you know, filled with the spirit because I, I was mad at God. And I was like, I don't want to be reminded of God right now because God, you know, let me down. And what, what's the meaning of all this? And I just felt, you know, so I just kind of, I had, I I rebelled for a lot of years from that point, probably, probably until like 
2003. So like 10 years of rebellion, 10 years of just trying to figure out, you know, where, who am I? What, what does this mean now? Uh, do I continue to seek God or, or say, forget it? You know, uh, he, he, you know, let me down. Maybe I'll let him down, you know, type of thing. And so, in 2003, I um, had broken up with with uh, uh, you know my girlfriend, and it was a you know it wasn't the best relationship anyways. So in hindsight, it was a good thing that we broke up. But at the moment, I was I just added to my disappointment in life. So you know we broke up, and and I was at a party which I shouldn't have been at with the wrong crowd, and just. You know, drinking and just depressed and really not knowing how to deal with that, uh, you know, and so um, I just, you know, was sinking and, uh, you know, against the advice of the people there, they, you know, they told me to just sleep it off, you're drunk, you're, you're messed up, don't try to drive home, you might get into an accident. I said, forget you, I'm going to go home, I'm not listening to anybody, and I don't care if I die tonight. It just kind of, I was really in a deep depression, deep, you know, uh, felt like forsaken, really. And, um, you know, it's it's amazing how your feelings can deceive you. So I felt forsaken, but uh, later on that night, I would realize I had not been forsaken. And what happened was I, I almost got into a car accident that I would have caused had it not been for the grace of God stepping in at the last minute in in narrowly missing, you know, narrowly our cars missing each other because I ran a red light, the other car had the right away, and I would have, you know, caused that car to flip over, and and you know, and it would have been like either death on impact with me because he had a truck, or I would have been, you know, severely injured or disabled. So, but that, you know, narrow, it was a narrow miss, and I, I got home, tried to crawl up the stairs, because I was still living with my aunt at the time, and I tried to just sleep it off, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to wake her up, I just wanted to sleep this thing off, tried to get into bed, and I couldn't, I, I, I felt as if the Spirit of God grabbed me by the shoulder and says, you know, you're going to listen to me tonight. We're going to do business because you've been running and I don't want you to to, to you know, run over the cliff and destroy yourself. And I just was broken. I, I got on my knees. I was crying. I, I was just repenting. I was just realizing that, you know, what am I doing? I, you know, I, I've been seeking answers for my for my um, feeling of, 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 of forsakenness, my feeling of, of being let down by God. I, I should have been going closer to God, not away from him. Because the source of answers is God, and yet I was trying to find the answers apart from God. And so he, it was kind of, it was kind of as if he, you know, he didn't, I didn't see a vision of, of him or whatever, and I didn't hear audibly a voice, but I did hear a voice in my spirit. And I knew, I knew he was talking to me. He, he told me, uh, he said to me, Hebrews thirteen five, which is the verse that says, "I will never leave thee nor forsake thee." And it was, and it was in that moment on my knees. I, I had like a flash of all the years that I had been in rebellion, that I had been walking away from God, and He was showing me like a vision of different spots in those ten years that He had shown up in my life to rescue me from something or to prevent 
me from, you know, from going down a, a, a certain path or a certain street or whatever. To, and all these things he was doing to show me that he had never forsaken me. And he was always there. He'd been watching me all along, watching over me all along. And it was me who had forsaken him because of my anger, because of my pain, uh, losing my parents and, and so forth. So, and uh, I just was thanking him. I was saying, yes, you're right. I, now I see where, that you've been with me, you know, um, all the time. And even the, there's a verse in the scripture that says that, uh, I think it was David uh, said in the Psalms, when my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And I felt forsaken for my, by my parents, but uh, I blamed it on God. But yet he had been the one who had taken me up. He had provided an aunt for me to live with, to, to give me shelter and protection. And um, then he uh, had protected me all those years of, th- of, of, you know, I mean, I, there was things I did that I should have been arrested for, imprisoned for. Uh, just bad stuff, you know, just really like stuff out of character for a Christian. But, um, it, you know, that's how far I'd fallen. And he had been there to restore me and to protect me all, all along the way. And I just repented of my, of, of, of my bitterness and my blaming. And I just repented of that. And, um, he said, Hey, I want you, I want you to come deeper to me. I want, I want you to know me better. I want you to grow. But, if you don't want to, I won't force you, but I will let you go over the cliff. It's your choice. And then that, that, in that moment, I said, no, I don't want to go over the cliff. I want you to, to help me to uh, get out of the slump that I'm in. Um, and I, that night I slept like a baby, and I, I woke up. I wasn't hungover or anything. I, I felt like a, a new person. Or I felt refreshed. I felt like the wind had come back into me that had been knocked out a few years later. And um, the, the the beginning of my call to ministry, because a year later, in 2004, that's when he called me to be a preacher, to, to be a herald of his word. And um, then been, they've been doing that ever since. I've been preaching in different places, pulpit supply or different seminars I've done. Um, and then in 2015, I got uh, uh, to... Uh, get introduced to a ministry called Open Air Campaigners, which is evangelistic uh, missionary ministry that is international. And um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I got, I, I took their training in 2016, I believe. And then um, early 2017, I had taken their um, candidate school, uh, you know, seminar for one week. And then they decided that it was a, they wanted me to become uh, a missionary with them. And I kind of thought it was too good to be true. So I, I prayed about it for a couple of months and uh, shot the Lord on it. And then uh, realized that this was a good fit and that um, I agreed to, to come on board with them and, and be a missionary uh, representative with them. So I do that now in the Boston area and we, we do all types of, uh, you know, uh, ministry with different churches, parks, communities. Uh, we take the, we take God's word and his, you know, his wisdom and his um, love to, you know, to anywhere, hospitals, churches, parks, train stations, bus stations, anywhere where there's people we go. Cause that's, um, that's following in the footsteps of, 
of Jesus because that's what he did. He went to go seek and save the lost, and that's what we try to do. But we do it in creative ways. We use paintings. We use object lessons. And it was kind of like full circle because the people that came to my my door in 1988 who first introduced me to uh, evangelism and, and, you know, they used object lessons. They used, uh, you know, magic tricks, for lack of a better word, you know, and they use visuals. And that's now what I do. We use visuals in order to engage people with um, with the truth. And so, okay. and then, yeah, there, so. <laughs> so your story is, is definitely inspiring to me of how you were able to recognize that God is provider, that God is healer. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Mr. Ricci will share with us what his own definition is of what it means to be Christian, as well as share some more pearls of wisdom about how to grow your faith. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. What is intellectual property? It's something that you will have to protect when it comes to your learning organization. Innovation and creativity is definitely valued amongst humanity and should be protected. As a result, tutors need a blueprint to follow so that they will do exactly what needs to be done to protect their work and trade secrets for their learning organization. In the number one source for tutors and tutor business owners, Dr. Holland's Expanding Your Tutoring Business Series. Tutor Consultant, Dr. Holland delivers her field-tested advice so that you can determine what types of intellectual property that will need to be protected, create various types of work agreements for your learning organization, develop a system to maintain records of your intellectual property, build a business plan that will promote data-driven tutoring success, describe the federal laws that impact your tutoring business, implement quality assurance meetings, create an online project management system for your content team, Implementing focus groups and market research. Disseminating your research for your learning organization. Acquire know-how for licensing your intellectual property and dozens of other strategies you will need to protect your intellectual property. Take a strategic approach to protecting your intellectual property so that you can build a household name in the tutoring industry. You can get your copy of Expand Your Tutoring Business Volume 3, The Blueprint for Protecting Your Learning Organization, on Amazon.com or submit your book order at orders at iglobaleducation.com. Learn the secrets to awaken your own financial genius. Mark Jackson II has written an Amazon International bestseller, Read Me or Stay Broke. This gripping story does the impossible marvelously. This book entertains and educates the reader. The book transforms the reader with an emotional journey filled with dynamic financial discoveries. In an effort to pay his dying mother's medical bills, Josh has burned the candle at both ends for far too long. In a last-ditch effort to stay afloat, he works even harder, while his boss is breathing down his neck. Exhausted and desperate, Josh comes to a simple realization. He is broke and out of options. Until one day, a mysterious woman offers him a challenge. Her company offers him the chance to learn the powerful money secrets 
of the rich secrets that have built fortunes for centuries but were always hidden from the public. But there's a catch. If Josh can complete the challenge, his mother's bills will be paid in full, fail, and she will die in debt. In his darkest moment, Josh agrees to the challenge. You will learn side by side with Josh as he is exposed to the seven mentors, savings, debt, credit, taxes, business, stocks, and real estate investing. The seven keys to wealth building. To save his mother's life, all he needs to do is listen, learn, and apply the secrets from each lesson. Will he be able to learn all the secrets in time? Can he complete the challenge in time to save his mother? This powerful story will keep you on the edge of your seat. You can get your copy on Amazon.com. Do you want to stay connected to Mark Jackson II? You can find him on Facebook under Mark Sweeney Jackson or www.facebook.com forward slash Mark Jackson 2. And read me or stay broke at www.facebook.com forward slash read me or stay broke. Mark 2 is also on Instagram under Mark's Jackson 2 and read me or stay broke. Lastly, you can find him on Twitter under at Mark Jackson 2. We're back on the Elise Intuition Radio Show with Dr. Elise and Pastor John J. Ritchie here discussing why testifying about God's work is so important. Mr. Ritchie. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So, you know, you were sharing with us of how you got into the ministry. Given all of your experiences, in your own words, what does it mean to be a Christian? Uh, good question. Um, and you always seem to ask good questions, so I really appreciate it. And uh, But I do want to uh, slightly correct you uh, because I'm, I'm not a pastor yet. Uh, at least uh, that's not what God has called me to be at this point. Uh, right now I would consider myself an author and e- evangelist or author and missionary. But... Maybe one day uh, I'll be a pastor, but at the right at, at the right time. Uh, but currently, I'm not a pastor yet. So, but um, as far as to be a Christian, what does that mean? That's a good question. I, I you know, in my own experience, um, of course, I I didn't uh, invent Christianity, so I cannot reinvent it. And uh, everybody could have their their own ideas about you know, what it means to be a Christian, but I have to, I have to stick with what the Bible says, because that's ultimately how I even know about Jesus in the first place. So he, he's the one that defined it. You know, uh, he said to his disciples um, several times, you know, uh, uh, in, in the gospels, he said, you know, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do, do not do the things I say. So to me, a Christian would be someone who, it looks to Jesus as their Lord and, and, and Savior and, and, and follows his example and his teachings. Um, you know, the word Christian definition is like, you know, mini Christ or Christ imitator. So we, we as Christians who use the, the name of Christ, uh, we, are, we are called to imitate him. So I would say a Christian is, is one who imitates Christ in, in thought, word, and deed. Not perfectly, because obviously Jesus was unique. 
uh, but we can, to the best of our ability, as filled with his spirit, imitate him in this world. He told he was the light of the world, he said, but then he also said to his followers, you are the light of the world. So I would say that we imitate Christ. Okay. So what trials has God helped you overcome in your life this far? Um, well, probably too many to list, but the most recent, um, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> to me, I mean, yeah, obviously during my story, I told you how uh, my parents, uh, you know, had um, not been able to raise me and then they died when I was young. And that that was a big hump to get over because growing up, that was a real struggle. And, of you know, God ha- had given me uh, the right perspective, I guess. That's ultimately what it came down to because when people struggle – they think it's something that's strange that's happened to them, you know, and, but mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, as scripture says that, you know, and Peter tells us, you know, don't, don't think it's strange that this fiery trial has come upon you because your, your faith is like gold. that's going to be purified through, you know, and then uh, Corinthians, uh, first Corinthians 10 tells us that there's no temptation, no trial, no testing that has come upon you, but such as unique, you know, it's everybody has dealt with the same types of uh, trials, maybe in just different areas. But and then God works all things together for good. You know, Romans eight thirty eight. So God ultimately got me through that difficult time period in my youth. But then also recently, my mom passed away of cancer, a very aggressive form of cancer, and I watched her dwindle down. Um, from June to the day that she died in, in November of 2018, she dwindled down physically, and um, that was hard to, to see. But I, I, I was carried through it um, by the strength of the Holy Spirit, God giving me the perspective that I that I needed, the correct perspective that you know um, your mother is uh, a gift from heaven. And, you know, ultimately what God gives, God can take away as well. Um, But she was given to me as a gift. I cherished her. Um, I dedicated my book to her, but also wanted to, to realize that, you know, God, God can carry you through anything. We just have to have the right view on it. And um, so many people make their suffering more difficult because they don't look at it from the right viewpoint, the right uh, glasses through the right glasses, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So you've written a book. What is the title of your book? What it's about, and how will it inspire other believers? Uh, thanks. Yes, it's um, called Evangelism's Flipside. The um, and then the subtitle is A Journey of Reaping the Unexpected. And uh, this book is um, basically, uh, it's not a how-to book on how to be a Christian witness, how to share the good news with people, but it's, it's more of, of like what, what, what happens when you do it or what you get when you do it. Um, it's basically a, a several stories of, of personal um, witnessing experiences that I've had in all different types of places on planes in, in, in outside the country, uh, you know, in sub- subways, uh, subways and bus stations, um, just 
know, in stores, all different types of places where people are, where people can be found. And, um, you know, just kind of giving um, the Christian world uh, a book that, that is a short read. It's, you know, less than 100 pages. Um, there's not too much uh, academics in here. It's mostly just stories and, and ventures that I, that, that I was on. Also, we have, um, I have several quotes from, you know, great uh, Christian uh, men and women of the past, you know, that were giants of the faith. And, they, and I have, you know, quotes like from Billy Sunday or C.T. Studd or Adonai Judson, um, you know, and just encouraging people to look at evangelism with, uh, uh, you know, a different perspective or a deeper perspective, I should say. It's um, because most people look at evangelism as a one-sided coin. It's oh, what it's what God is doing in uh, in the people being ministered to, but they forget or they fail to appreciate that. Evangelism is also what God is doing in and through the minister who's doing the ministering. Um, so it's a two-sided thing. And, and, you know, people, a lot of uh, churches and pastors preach that, you know, the way to grow in your Christian faith, the way to get closer to God is read your Bible and pray and attend, you know, church services. And I, I say, okay, yes, good. That's That sounds about right. But they're missing a key uh component to the Christian life, which is evangelism. And it's really misunderstood today, but it's, it shouldn't be because evangelism is not a presentation so much as it is a conversation. You know, Jesus went out mm-hmm. and had conversations with people in the, in the New Testament. He didn't give just monologues. You know, I mean, maybe he did in a few times, you know, the, <laughs> the Sermon on the Mount and so forth. But, but other times you would see him just going and having conversations with people, you know, the woman at the well uh, in, in John chapter four, or Nicodemus in John chapter three, just talking to people, you know, answering questions uh, and taking, and then, and then uh, asking questions of his own and, and having a dialogue sharing. And, uh, and that's missed, I say, I think in, in the Christian world today. So my book is uh, to encourage people to grow through uh, evangelism through going out and talking to people, sharing, opening, going to meet their neighbors. I mean, evangelism is not uh, so much geography, like oh, I got to go to China, I got to go to Saudi Arabia and be a missionary. No, evangelism and missions is is about people. People are everywhere. They're across the street. They're not just across the uh, the seas, you know. And uh, I just want to encourage people to reach out to their neighbors, especially during a time like this. I mean, obviously we have to do. You know, we have to take precautions because of this current uh, uh, health crisis, but there's still ways to reach out. There's still ways to show the love of Jesus, you know. And my book gives practical stories, practical steps on how people can get engaged with their neighbors because um, with with two uh, materialistic uh, focus. I think um, we. I want. I want uh, Christians uh, to be more soul conscious. I believe that's what God would have us be, to, to be more soul conscious. And so it's available on Amazon.com. It's right now. It's uh, like nine dollars. Uh, it's also available on BarnesandNobles.com, but it's twelve dollars there. So, and uh, yeah, it's just a, a book to encourage people to grow because really. Ultimately, our, our focus needs to be on who we are 
and you know who is filling us and the fill and the, the the holy spirit's the one who's filling us and and wants to work through us but we are ultimately a collection of our individual thoughts you know and if we can get our thoughts right you know a man as a man thinketh you know so is he uh as people say and um you know philippians 4 8 uh gives us things to we that we can zero zero in on you know to have the right thought life and if we have the right thought life we're going to see people the way that jesus would see people and then we're going to live accordingly so wow so before we end our show today we we want to ask this question is there any additional advice that you will offer for others who are looking to grow their faith is there any extra pearls of wisdom uh, yeah, they gotta feed themselves ultimately with um, with the with the with the right things, the good things. It's, it's kind of like an ATM, you know. <laughs> what you put in the ATM is what you'll draw out. If you don't put anything in, uh, then you won't get anything back. And, and, and it's also like, you know, uh, the human spirit uh, is kind of like a vehicle. It's like a car, you know. If you you know, put the wrong things in the in the gas tank, <laughs> then your your vehicle isn't going to go very far or won't go at all. And I think that as as uh, followers of Christ, as uh, spirit driven, spirit filled children of God, um, we have to really take an inventory of what we are feeding on. Who are we letting influence us? Because what we watch influences our thoughts. Because what we see is what we think about, and, and you know what you are what you are uh, what you are paying for, you will pay attention to. So we have to take inventory. What are we what are we spending our money on? What are we spending our time on? What are we filling our up our soul and spirits with? You know, and if we are feasting on the right things then the right things will come out because there's a term in medical, uh, in the medical world, garbage in, garbage out, you know, and I'm not a doctor. I am a health coach. I also do that on, on, as a, as a hobby. I have my, uh, I, I got a certificate in that, but you know, I, I try to encourage people spiritually speaking the same way, garbage in, garbage out. But if you, if you get good things in, you know, feast on God's word, feast on the right type of people, positive people, people that are also filled with the spirit uh, then good things will come out of your life. That doesn't mean you're going to have a rosy existence. It doesn't mean that every day is going to be easy. But even when days are hard, just look at it as a, as, as a chance to exercise your spiritual muscles. You know, because without the without resistance, there's no there's no muscle growth. And so the same Correct. thing goes with the spirit. There's got to be a tug and pull sometimes, and we resist that because. You know, most of us want, you know want it want it easy, but often growth happens when it is difficult, and so we need to see the bumps in the road as positives. We need to see them as stepping stones, not stumbling blocks. It again goes back to how we view things, and we we need to be around people, and we need to be consuming things that help us to train our minds to think the way that Jesus would have us think, because He was the best. At, at managing his thoughts, and we need to be uh, imitating him, and that's what my book is about. Um, you, people can find me. Uh, I have a blog, so if people wanted to find me, 
uh, and listen to some of the things that I, I have some teachings uh, on this blog. I also um, have, uh, you, you know, people can get a hold of me through uh, the blog, which is JJR, my initials, JJR, um, Bible Preaching and Teaching dot wordpress dot com and if they want to check out you know what I'm doing as far as uh, missions around the world they can go to the missionary website uh, o- open air campaigners which is OAC for open air open air campaigners OAC USA just those six letters OAC USA dot org and then they can look me up uh, Jay Ritchie uh, on the uh, on that page under the staff uh, lineup, and again, my book is on Amazon.com by John J. Ritchie, my full name. Uh, Evangelism's flip side: a journey of reaping the unexpected, and they will reap the unexpected, but it'll be in a good way. Okay, thank you so much for being on our show. It's been a pleasure to have you, and man, your story is, is powerful because that's what many people are learning as they navigate this journey we call life is that God is healer and God is provider. So thank you for testifying and sharing what God has done in your own life as well. I appreciate it. Thank you for letting me contribute to your audience. And I I trust they were blessed. And thank you for uh, the opportunity, Dr. Elise. Appreciate it very much. Okay. You're welcome. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I will share with you messages from the spirit and angels. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. In today's global economy, tutoring is beginning to get the respect and recognition it deserves. Tutoring can be a rewarding field for stay-at-home moms, retired workers, and people with technical skills. Due to budget cuts, high teacher-student ratios, and the No Child Left Behind NCLB Act, it's also an area that is booming for classroom teachers, whether they want to try tutoring in the classroom or start their own private tutoring practice. With these type of tutoring opportunities, it is crucial to have a blueprint to follow so that individuals can start out with good information and build a reputation as an educator that delivers data-driven results. In the number one source for tutors and tutor business owners, Dr. Holland Johnson's Becoming a Better Tutor, a data-driven approach to tutoring, tutor consultant, Dr. Holland delivers her field-tested advice so that you can find your tutoring niche and predict your chances for success as a tutor, market your tutoring practice to attract clients, apply the Dr. Holland Johnson's tutoring framework for effective tutoring sessions, apply the Dr. Holland Johnson's in-class tutoring method, conduct tutoring consultations and master tutoring interviews, determine the type of tutor in which you'll need to be for clients, accurately track your client's progress, acquire know-how for starting and managing your tutoring practice, and dozens of other strategies you will need to be successful in the tutoring industry. Take a data-driven approach to either tutoring in the classroom or building your tutoring practice to help your clients. By putting new strategies and proven methods in your toolkit, you'll quickly find the path that leads to becoming a better tutor. You can get your copy of Dr. Holland Johnson's Becoming a Better Tutor, a data-driven approach to tutoring, on Amazon.com or submit your book order at orders at iglobaleducation.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.